0: Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing Podcast. Hi there, ladies and gents, and welcome to this episode of the Sophisticated Property Investment Podcast with me, your host, Frank Fleck. So a couple of weeks ago, I completed on the biggest deal I have ever done. Not long after I was in a training session, one of the delegates challenged me, I guess is the right word, about the risks involved in the deal, and it's really easy to get excited about the deal especially when it's a big one so it was 32 properties on a control now pay later strategy we put quite a lot of money down on the deal and I'm not going to go through all the numbers because I've done those in previous episodes but we put quite a lot of money down on the on the deal six figures to buy the option so it was a legally advised option so that means the vendor had legal representation the money went through the lawyers etc we have now taken control of all 32 properties until we complete on them. So when I say the deal completed, we completed taking control of the properties, but we haven't purchased the properties. So all of them have remained in the vendor's name and we're buying them in different tax years from him over a a number of years I think the furthest one out is seven years might be slightly longer than that I say this all the time when people say no money down deals are impossible and then I say well I put six figures down it wasn't my money I think 90 odd percent of that at least was other people's money so money that we'd uh, borrowed it nearly was i don't think it was entirely i do think we've got a bit of our own money in that but not a lot so it was nearly no money down and then you can just use the return on investment triangle to work out when we'll have got all our own money back out because it's obviously a lucrative portfolio in really good condition actually. And so we are at a rate of not getting our return on our uh, on our investment. And, the, and that will be a really high cash on cash ROI because it's a profitable portfolio and we've got so little of our own money in it. The challenge I had from the delegate at this event was around the risks involved in this particular transaction. And it's a really good exercise I think to challenge yourself. So Brad Sugar says fall in love with the deal and I, I'm, I'm good at falling in love with the deal. I think I said on a recent episode it took 11 months to get it over the line. It's the largest number of properties I've secured on any given day ever. Um, it takes me to the largest number of properties I've ever bought in a year. So we are in October and I think I'm up to 32, 14, 46 and then there were those I think we're up to 53 properties I think in the year it might be slightly more by the end of the year and I might be miscounting but my highest or my record or my biggest buying year to date was last year where I did around 30 so we've almost doubled it in fact we might double my highest year ever and the highest year before that was probably yeah probably not more than 12 in a year something like that so to double the number of properties I've acquired in last year and then to double it again this year is quite remarkable and interestingly I do think I'll do more than 100 next year that's my goal to do 100 next year so I could double it three years running and when you are buying so aggressively it's very easy to kid yourself that there are no downsides that everything's rosy but I think it's really important to do a worst case scenario exercise to analyze the black swan events to do a SWOT analysis on on the deals that you're looking at and the deal that you've uh, that you've done and the ones that you're potentially going to do and that's what I'm going to do in this episode so in this episode in the next 30 minutes or so I am going to Walk you through my thought process for how this deal could go wrong, which is a really alien thing for me to do because normally I'm always look on the bright side of life, optimistic. If something goes wrong, no problem, we'll be able to overcome it, etc. But it is important to know what could go wrong. And and then of course you can think, well, what what would I do? What would I do if that happens? So I'll talk you through my, my thought process. So the biggest Risk, I actually think, is the management of these properties. So these properties are three and a half, maybe four hours away from my where I live, and something like four and a half hours away from my, business partner. And so between us, we're pretty remote. Now, one of the things we really liked about this deal is the fact that it is managed by a couple, not a letting agents. They are employed directly by the previous landlord. We have been building relationship with the couple over the last 10, 11 months, and they want to commence working for us. We've guaranteed the same pay and conditions they know all the tenants personally they do all the bookkeeping they do all the maintenance so it's a really strong partnership and a real asset to the portfolio and so the biggest risk i think or the one that would have the fastest biggest negative impact is the fact it would be if they chose not to work for us not to manage the portfolio anymore because straight away we'd lose a lot of continuity and whenever there's disruption to a tenancy either a change of managing agent or change of bank account or anything like that you run the risk of the tenant breaking their habits and therefore missing a payment or just things going wrong so that's probably the biggest risk the one that's at the forefront of my mind And that is that the management is interrupted we'd probably have to split the portfolio into three or four letting agents because it'd be too risky to put the whole portfolio with an untested letting agent and that yeah that would probably be the the biggest risk and the one that's at the forefront of my mind fortunately the couple that are managing the property at the moment they're really keen to keep that source of income and we've invested a lot as i say over the last 10 11 months in in building relationship with them so that's the first thing the next set of risks are probably risks in the property sector in general so they would be the same risks if we had bought the properties in a conventional manner or if we'd completed bmv purchases on these properties so for example, we could have a hike in stamp duty. We're going to buy these properties and stamp duty goes up. So now we'd have to pay more stamp duty. Or there might be a super tax applied to buy to let properties. And you might think, oh, that's that's ridiculous, Frank. But that's what happened with mortgage rate relief for personally owned properties. They could just bring it in for limited companies. If a limited company owns a property, any lending against that property is not deductible for tax. That would be a very easy law to bring in and everyone thinks they're really clever at the moment because they're buying portfolios and converting them into limited companies but actually the government HMRC could just change that in a heartbeat. That would be a a risk factor on this. We could have an increase in the building regulations for buy-to-lets that's introduced retrospectively it's really easy to say well that's unlikely to happen but actually when you have all these things that can happen one of them happening is quite high (laughs) the balance of probability says one or, or more of these are quite high despite every single one being on its own quite a remote probability so a raising of the building standard regulations retrospectively and when i say retrospectively what i mean is a building is built and it gets signed off for building regs based on the building regs at that time if the building regs then change subsequently you don't have to update the property to conform to that new code of building regulations what you can do is you can you're basically grandfathered in but what they were talking about doing with the EPCs is they were talking about saying well the new rule for buy to let properties is you have to have a C and they've done it haven't they they've done it with E so you have to have an E grade EPC in order to let your property out now and then they were talking about it becoming a C grade and they've apparently scrapped that now they could bring in all kinds of things they could say right from this date every single in the country has to have a and whatever they want to make it an electric boiler. And so we'd then all as landlords have to put electric boilers in. Well, if I've just taken control and I and I have assumed responsibility for these properties as if they were my own. And so I would have to put 32 electric boilers in. Well, that would be really expensive. Especially if they did it across the whole country, because everyone would want electric boilers. And you might think, oh, that's really unlikely. But what if a few houses burnt down because the gas cookers have ignited on things because you have to remember governments don't look well in my experience the government doesn't look very closely at the commercial viability of what they're doing for the landlord they just decide and I've actually had building regs people where I've said that is ridiculous like the cost of implementing that I had a lovely open plan one bedroom flat uh, two bedroom flat actually and they forced me to build a corridor down it through this open plan flat so that the people from the bedrooms could escape down this corridor without going through the open plan kitchen lounge and I, it was just ridiculous it, it ruined the whole flat and it was in a block of 16 flats and I said are you making everyone in this block do this and they said no only you because you're you're a landlord but these are all owner occupied so they don't have to do it and I said so you're okay with 15 of them all like burning to death but, but on mine, you know, I've, I've got to build a corridor that ruins the flat and also costs me about four years of profit on this flat. And they said, yeah, it doesn't matter what it costs. It's about health and safety, except it's not about health and safety because they didn't care about the other 15 people. I'll get off my soapbox in a minute. But you get the picture. They don't have to be reasonable. If we had some fires and some people died from gas hobs, they could make us put an induction hobs in every property every buy to let property that's possible so there's a lot of things they could insist that every property has an electric car charger that wouldn't be crazy they could insist every property had solar panels something like that is a risk factor i think it's quite low risk but it's definitely there definitely so a tax change a building regulations change something like that Uh, we could have rent control come in they reduce all of our tenants rents that would be an issue we've got interest rate rises could be an issue we could have mortgageability issues where you know more specific mortgage lenders go out of business and they won't extend their loans that's possible so all of the normal risk factors of being a landlord are in place with this portfolio but then there are other risks and this is really awkward for me doing this podcast because I'm not used to focusing on all the the negatives but it is it is important to be aware of them so what risks are there specific to this deal that there wouldn't be if I owned the properties if I'd already bought them the biggest risk really is the fact that the vendor still has them in their name. So they're on land registry. Something could happen to the vendor. Now it could be something they do wittingly. So they could deliberately try to break the agreement. So they could try and sell the properties. They could try and take them back. They could go to the tenants and ask the tenants to start paying them rent. That's possible. They could refinance the properties and take money out of them and then we can't buy them for the prices we've agreed they could just refuse to sell them to us and in all of these instances you think well they're not allowed to that's true they're not because they'd be breaching their agreement but it's only a written agreement the onus would be on us to take them to court and stop them doing whatever they're doing or make them do whatever the agreement says they should do and therein lies the challenge the properties are still in their name, the owners would be on us to force them to do what they should do. Whereas if we owned the properties, they wouldn't be able to do any of this because we would have, we would own the properties. You know, ownership is nine tenths of the law. So we are in a more vulnerable position for sure. And so you might say, well, why wouldn't you just buy the properties then? Well, because we would have had to put in just shy of seven figures to of cash to buy the portfolio. Whereas doing it this way, we've put in a fraction of that that's the main reason plus it's way more profitable over the next few years to buy them in the way that we're buying them the other issue or risk is if something happens unwittingly that forces the vendor so they they still do their best to conform to the agreement but a third party intervenes so it could be someone that they owe money to so it could be that they go bankrupt and that these properties get sucked into the bankruptcy that's definitely an issue a a potential it could be that the vendor goes through a divorce and the the other party the the spouse intervenes and says that this agreement is now not going to be honored and so there's that ambiguity and I think when you go into a long-term over many years control now pay later transaction you have to really get comfortable and reassure yourself that you can sleep at night knowing that the deal isn't as robust as if you owned the properties in your own name or in this instance it'd be in your company name that's the biggest difference I think but the way I look at it is if I did this conventionally I wouldn't able to do as many of these deals I can probably do five to ten times as many deals with my available cash than maybe even higher actually than if I did this conventionally or traditionally and so I look at it as perhaps at some point I'm gonna have my fingers burnt perhaps at some point someone's gonna rip me off or I'm not gonna make as much money out of one of these deals as I should have done the flip side of that is I've done loads more deals, and I've made loads of money off all the other deals, and so overall, I'm much better off. That's how I look at it. At the end of the day, I view my life as playing Monopoly. I just enjoy the game. I enjoy doing the deals. I enjoy like that vendor is over the moon. We chatted on the day of completion. We were both really excited. He's really excited to have got rid of the hassle. To have, now he can forget about the properties he can focus on his business he can he's got a chunk of money in his bank account so he can do what he wanted to do with that that's the key that is the the key that I've enjoyed that 10 11 months of negotiating the deal and now I feel great that I've done the deal I feel positive about it I feel excited. I'm going to move on to the next deal and do the next one now because my JV and my JV partner is that they will manage the the couple they will do the bookkeeping etc and uh, and we'll probably have quarterly meetings to discuss the success of the performance of the portfolio. I think those are the main risks and there's quite a lot there. <laughs> I get that. But I think those are the main risks. There's a few more I guess around completion that I've kind of touched on but what if we can't find the vendor in four, five, six, seven plus years to do, to actually complete on the transactions. That's possible. I think there's a bit more money in them, in the deals for, for them when they sell them to us. So that's good because there's an incentive there. But yeah, I guess that's the tricky bit, but I'm excited. I feel positive. I think the risks are far outweighed by the benefits and so I'm really comfortable with the deal and hope to do many many more interestingly I've spoken to quite a few people recently who would not do this deal generally they're novice investors and they are just looking for certainty absolute certainty I'm selling a property at the moment and the person buying the property from me it's a single buy to let is going through every single facet of the buy to let with a fine tooth comb like to a ridiculous extent they're upset that I don't know where the stopcock and the meters are well I went to this property once about eight years ago that was before I even bought it it was just to value it and so I may not have even known where the stopcock and the meters were then I've given them access to my letting agents and said you know the letting agent will answer all of your questions I've told the letting agent they can talk to them but they're asking ah, oh, for my inside leg measurements and it's fascinating because I've just bought these 32 properties and I don't know where any of the stock cocks are I don't know where any of the meters are and could that cause me a bit of inconvenience at some point yeah it probably could it may not it may or it may not cause me a bit of uh, inconvenience but if I go and find out where every stock cock and where every meter is located that's a lot of definite inconvenience i've got to in- incur now i've got to pay someone to go around them all i've got to um, and, I, and i could have asked the vendor to go through all of the properties and sort it out but they probably wouldn't have done they would have just <laughs> pulled out of the deal and that's the funny thing it is it's it's a balance isn't it it's a balance and and this investor that is buying this uh buy i don't think they will end up with a big foot portfolio because i don't think being a landlord will actually suit their their risk profile i might be wrong i might be wrong about that but that's my my sense is that if you insist on every i being dotted and every t being crossed then you're probably not going to enjoy the lack of control that comes with other people living in your properties and I think that's what it boils down to I think it boils down to I don't see them as my properties I just see them as numbers on a spreadsheet and some of them are going to need loads of refurbishment because people are going to treat them badly and some of them are going to be looked after incredibly well but if overall the numbers work on it and it's profitable etc then I'm laughing I'm really happy but I think If you're unable to detach yourself from that, if you're unable to detach yourself from these risks. So I've listed a lot of risks in this podcast, in this particular episode. If you're unable to get your head around those risks, for example, I guess the vendor could now go around to all the tenants and say, I've sold, Frank's not going to look after you, he doesn't care about you. I think you should move out and maybe he could induce half of them to move out that would be really 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 damaging to me but is it theoretically possible yeah did i put a clause in the agreement that says that he mustn't do that no (laughs) should i have done maybe maybe not if i had done that it might have wound him up and he might have thought you know what if you think i'm that low no i'm not going to sell my portfolio to you you're not the trusting nice guy that i thought you were or as i have done i can think about all the things that could happen and then take a bit of a judgment call on it to say do you know what i think he's a nice guy i think we've wrapped it up legally as well as we can let's have a crack at it and see how we get on and that's i guess how i do business i do want to see the best in people i do want to trust i do want to do lots of deals i do want to control lots of properties and do you know what in seven or eight years time I might be over the moon and I've made money from all 32 of them. I own them all or I've sold some of them. And I can look back and go, I made a good judgment call there. Or maybe I get my fingers burnt on this particular deal. And maybe I'm sat here in seven or eight years, hopefully still doing this podcast. And I look back and I go, Do you know what? That was a painful lesson that I learned from that transaction I'll never do I'll never make that mistake again and I guess time will tell guys in what has been probably the most depressing episode I've ever done I hope I've given you food for thought I hope I've helped you to judge where you sit on that spectrum on that continuation of or that continuum of attitude to risk until next time happy investing. Sophisticated property investing. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing now.